All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are in the letter that Paul wrote to the churches of Galatia, but called Galatians. Um, Last week was chapter two. We are diving into chapter three tonight. But as promised, uh, I would open up every week with a little bit of review. So first and foremost, uh, I want to quiz y'all because quizzing is fun, right? Um, so, the book of Galatians is divided into how many chapters? Six, six chapters. And this, these six chapters are divided into how many sections? Three. The first two chapters are Paul being what? Personal. Personal. Second two chapters, which would be three and four, Paul is being? Nice. And uh, chapters five and six, Paul is being what? Practical. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so you guys are perfect. This is great. Uh, this is simple simple math. Personal plus doctrinal equals practical. Uh, so if ever you uh, are in your math class and you want to just give a great math uh, question, ask personal plus doctrinal equals X. What is X? Practical. Ah, X marks the spot for being practical in our lives. All right. Uh, remember, guys, do you guys remember that this will be reaching back to week one? Yes. Should I throw something at you if it's 7.30? Yes. Throw something at me if it's 7.30. Um, let's go back to something we talked about in week one. The Galatian gospel is this. There is a person who paid a price and it had a purpose, right? You guys remember that? Jesus on the cross, his death was for our salvation. Awesome. Who's the author of this book? Paul. Who is Paul? All right. Not only an apostle, but he is an apostle not from men nor through men, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. He's writing to the churches of Galatia. Do you guys remember where Galatia is? And the region of Galatia is where? It is in New Testament, uh, but geographical location. Asia Minor. Asia Minor would be modern day Turkey. It's modern day Turkey. All right, here we go. Uh, I'm going to pick up guys reading in chapter three, uh, and then we are going to dive into a time of prayer after I read these 29 verses. This is what it says. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified. This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun in the Spirit, are you now being made perfect by the flesh? Have you suffered so many things in vain? If indeed it was in vain. Therefore, he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Just as Abraham believed in God and it was accounted to him as righteousness. Therefore, know that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand, saying this, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. For... As many as are of the works of the law are under the curse, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. But 
that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident for the just shall live by faith. Yet the law is not of faith, but the man who does them shall live by them. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become the curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is anyone who hangs upon a tree. That the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Brethren, I speak in a manner of men. Though it is only a man's covenant, yet if it is confirmed, no one annuls it or adds to it. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He does not say, and to seeds, as of many, but as of one, and to your seed, who is Christ. And this I say, that the law which was 430 years later cannot annul the covenant that was confirmed before by God in Christ, that it should make the promise of no effect. For if the inheritance is of the law, it is no longer of promise, but God gave it to Abraham by promise. What purpose then does the law serve? It was added because of the transgressions, till the seed should come to whom the promise was made, and it was appointed through the angels by the hand of a mediator. Now a mediator does not mediate for one only, but God is one. Is the law then against the promises of God? Certainly not. For if there had been a law given which could have given life, truly righteousness would have been by the law. But the scripture has confined all under sin, that the promises by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. But before faith came, we were kept under guard by the law, kept for faith, which would afterwards be revealed. Therefore, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. For you are all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. For as many as, uh, or for as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you so much for your word. Uh, God, we thank you that your word is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. Uh, God, we pray that tonight as you uh, reveal to us your truth by your Holy Spirit, as uh, uh, God, as you reveal your truth in your word, God, I pray that each and every single one of us, uh, God, would be transformed. Uh, God, I pray that we would learn something new. Uh, God, that we would be encouraged. God, I pray that we would be inspired. Uh, and God, I pray that we'd be challenged. Um, God, challenged to live our lives uh, in a way that is more pleasing to you. God, that we'd be challenged to live our lives as a better representation of who you are. God, that we would be challenged uh, to uh, dive deeper into the things of you. And God, that we'd be challenged to study your word more uh, throughout the week. So God, I just I thank you for your word. Uh, and I thank you for the study tonight. God, I pray that these would not be my words, but God, you would speak through me. Anything that would be of me, God, uh, may I not be able to get out of my mouth, but God, that you would speak through. Uh, so God, we thank you. God, we praise you in your son's wonderful and beautiful name, Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, amen. How would you guys like it if I came up here on a Sunday night and uh, y'all were sitting down and we've been going through a study and then my opening words to you were, oh, foolish youth groupers. I couldn't think of youth groupians because that just sounds weird. But uh, oh, foolish youth groupers. It gets your attention. And you'd be like, whoa, 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 wait, 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 why are you calling me foolish? What's going on? Um, 
But Paul is doing that here to the Galatians because if you remember just a few chapters earlier, in chapter 1, he says, Have you left so quickly the gospel which we gave you? Remember that they had been swayed away by these Judaizers, those who were making them come back underneath the law which was given to Moses, that they had to follow uh, these, these Jewish practices, these kosher practices. Uh, and the church here in Galatia was being subverted by these evil teachers who were teaching Jesus plus law equals salvation. But remember the title of our sermon series is Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. So Paul says, you are foolish. Y'all are a bunch of fools. How did you forget so quick? He goes as far as to say, who has bewitched you? In essence, has somebody cast a spell over you that you are blind to see the truth? Paul's really hammering at him because he loves them. He cares for them. And he wants this church to understand what true theology is. So he's going to lay it out for him. He says that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified. He wants them to know that Jesus is the only thing. Jesus is the only thing. So he's going to go down and he's going to break that down for us. The first way he breaks it down is he juxtaposes the spirit versus the flesh. Not only this, but he's going to show uh, that the spirit produces life and that the law and the flesh keeps us bondage to just death and decay and all this how does he do this he goes then uh have you begun in the spirit now you are being perfected by the flesh in essence what paul says is when you were converted when you gave your heart to the lord the holy spirit came and took up residence inside of you then the holy spirit began to do a work in your life it began to transform you from the inside out how many of you guys are thankful that we have the Holy Spirit in our lives and that the Holy Spirit transforms us from the inside out? Amen. Amen. I know that the man that I once was, I am no longer because the Holy Spirit is doing a work in me. And because the Holy Spirit is doing a work in me, it then inspires me to continue on the path that the Holy Spirit is setting before me. How many of you guys know the Holy Spirit does not control you? You're not a puppet in the hands of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is doing a work in us. Now we can choose to, am I going to add to it? Am I going to try and do more to try and earn? Or am I going to go as the Spirit leads me? And as I listen to Him, I will live in a more um, purpose-filled, uh, a, a, uh, a life that has intention. Um, so He asked them, are you so foolish that you have begun in the Spirit and now you're going to try and continue and perfect life in the flesh? Uh, he says, if so, you're doing all of that suffering because how, how many of us know when we toil by ourselves, when we toil in the flesh, it causes a little bit of suffering in our life. It causes a headache at least, right? Uh, he says, all of that, it's in vain. Let the Spirit guide you. Let the Spirit lead you. He goes on to say in verse 5, Therefore he who supplies the Spirit to you works miracles among you. Does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? So now what he's going to do is he takes, he takes the Spirit and the flesh and the battle of the Spirit and the flesh, and he then takes it another step and he says, there's a battle between faith and the law. If, if you want to get a more expanded version of this battle between faith and the law, I encourage you to go read the book of Romans. 
one theologian said that the book of Galatians is like the, the, the cliff notes on the book of Romans. Uh, so if you really want what Paul's talking about here unpacked, go read the book of Romans because, oh my goodness, the book of Romans, it'll rock your world uh, and it'll really make you think about what you're doing with your life uh, and uh, what you should be doing with your life. Um, but he's going to go and he's going to talk about uh, a guy who many of us know, uh, at least by name, many of us know by stories as well, but a guy by the name of Abraham. Raise your hand if you've heard of Abraham before. Um, now keep that hand up. Uh, and if I were to say Father Abraham had many sons, many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them and so are you. So let's all praise the Lord. Right arm. Everyone, left arm. Yeah, right, right, right foot, left foot. Ah. All right, yeah, it's a song we all sang growing up in Sunday school, you know. Um, but Father Abraham, we're going to talk about this guy, Abraham. Abraham is one of my heroes. Uh, he's a hero of the faith. Uh, literally, he's a hero of faith. Um and we're going to talk a little bit about him tonight. Uh, we're told in verse 6, just as Abraham believed in God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. This is impressive. Abraham believed God. That's not always easy to do. Okay, we live in a world where we are told constantly in school, we're told constantly by the media, by uh, social media, by television, like Every outlet out there in the world is telling us that there is no God. Uh, we go to science and we learn uh, that there was no creation, but that there was a big bang and that evolution and all of this stuff. We go uh, to philosophy and they try to explain away God. Uh, we talk about morality and people begin to say we don't need a God for morality. Uh, atheism is growing and it is running rampant. Uh, you, you go to the news and you go to all these places and it, it talks all about how there is no God and we don't need God, that we can do it on our own. And they present all these pseudo-facts. I'm not even going to call them facts. Uh, they're dubious facts. But the reality is, uh, for the world, it is hard to believe in God. And I think that's one of the enemy's plans. The Bible tells us the enemy roams around like a lion, seeking whom he may devour. His plan is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. The enemy wants to break us down. One of the ways the enemy tries to break us down is he tries to uh, blind our eyes from understanding and seeing how God moves and acts in the world in which we live. And so people's eyes are so easily blinded that when presented with um, the possibility of God, when presented with experiential truths about God, it is hard for people sometimes to believe in God. Abraham was a guy who, at times, maybe had a hard time believing God. We actually know that from Scripture. God said, I will bless you everywhere you go. Wherever you trod your foot, you shall be blessed. No one can raise a hand against you. What does he do? The very next place he goes, he goes down to Egypt and he gets terrified that they're going to try and kill him. So Abraham didn't always believe what God said, but he believed in God. So check this out. Abraham's this guy uh, and he's chilling with his father. And then he hears this voice out of nowhere. The voice says, hey, Abraham. I want you to leave the house of your father, leave the land in which you have grown up in, and go to a land that I will promise you. Abraham's like, ooh, where'd that come from? You know? And Abraham's like, all right, God must be calling me to do something. I'm going to go. What does he do? He goes. The greatest, I think, test of Abraham's faith, uh, one time, Abraham's hanging out. He's got some sons. 
uh, one name Ishmael, one name Isaac. Uh, and God says, now, we don't have time tonight because uh, if, if I were to go into all of this, Sophia would throw her entire purse at me because we don't have enough time. We don't have enough time. But the thing is, uh, Abraham was promised that his son would be a blessing to all the nations and that from his son, uh, not only would the nations be blessed, but there would be the seed uh, that, that, that God was going to fulfill some prophecy through Isaac and Isaac's uh, lineage. Well, God says, hey, Abraham, I want you to uh, take Isaac and you're going to offer him as a sacrifice to me. Now, Abraham was extremely old and he hadn't been able to have kids for a very long time. And then God miraculously gives him this child. And Abraham's like, wait, what? Okay, I trust you, so I'm going to do it. Now, many times when we remember coloring the picture and Sunday school, we have like a little kid, Isaac. Isaac wasn't no little kid. Uh, the historian Josephus tells us that he was in his 30s. Uh, so Isaac, Isaac was a pretty faithful dude also. And we don't have time to talk about the faithfulness of Isaac. But Isaac said, all right, let's do it. If God commands it, I believe. But here's the crazy thing. Abraham believed so much that when Abraham goes up to the mountain, he tells his servants to say, and he said, me and the boy or me and Isaac will return. So he knew God had asked him to sacrifice Isaac, but he believed God enough that he believed that God could raise his son from the dead because, hey, God promised that through this son, the earth will be blessed. So Abraham is a dude, he believed in God. I want to ask you the question, this is a little sidebar question, this has nothing to do with the sermon uh, or, or, or the flow of the sermon, but do you believe in God? So, I mean, it's a, it's a good question. I feel it's a question that we need to ask ourselves all the time. Do I believe in God? And if I believe in God, do I believe God? You see the difference. You can believe in God. The demons believe in God. They know he exists. But do we believe God? When God says he will do something, are we faithful to trust him? Good question. Something I think we should think about. Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him as righteousness. Therefore, know that the only, uh, that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. Paul goes to point out that God had even told Abraham that the Gentiles would receive salvation as well. That through his seed, all of the nations shall be blessed. So, those who are of faith are blessed for believing in Abraham. If we believe story of Abraham, and we, if we are inspired by the faith of Abraham, we're told here in Scripture that we'll be blessed. So, if we believe God, if we believe in God and we believe God, and then we believe the truth of what God has to say, the truth of the Scriptures, we're blessed. So I think that's pretty cool. Um, we're getting to the main part here in just a second. Uh, he goes on to then say, uh, talking about how... Um, the law has brought people uh, under a curse. What it is, is the law, uh, it's impossible for anyone to follow perfectly. You cannot follow the law perfectly. Jesus did, uh, but we're going to get there in just a second. But it is impossible for man to follow the law. That is why Paul says, uh, for as many are the works of the law, uh, they're under curse. For it is written, curses everyone who does not continue in all things which are written in the book of the law. So, in essence, it's impossible for us to fulfill 
So, because it's impossible for us to fulfill, the law in and of itself curses us because we cannot fulfill it. So man's in a pretty hard spot. Some would say stuck between a rock and a hard place. You know, this is hard for humanity. We are cursed because we cannot fulfill the way in which we are to be right with God. So, did God have a plan? Yes, he did. His plan was to send Jesus so that, verse 13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. And he quotes the prophet by saying, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. He said that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. You see, Abraham was promised. Turn with me, if you will, uh, back to the book of Genesis. There's some really cool things here. Uh, Genesis chapter 12. We're going to look at what God promised Abraham. And the thing is, when we put our faith in God, and when we put our trust in Jesus Christ for the salvation, uh, it says through that, Jesus become the curse for us, we now can receive these blessings. It says this, I will bless you, I will make your name great, and you shall be a blessing, and I will bless all those who bless you, I will curse those who curse you, and in you the families of the earth shall be blessed. That not only is a commission for us to be a blessing, but that is a promise that we receive. God will make us great. And when I say great, it's easy to get that convoluted in the society in which we live. Because if I were to go around, and if this wasn't a churchy situation or a theological conversation, if I were to say, what defines greatness in our culture? So I'm going to ask that question. What are some things that define greatness in our culture? Dan? Success. Success. What are some other things? Strength and honor. What are fame? fame. Wealth. Wealth. What are some other things? I mean, these are these are very much um, <laughs> success things. Yeah. Nerdy What's that? Nerdy collections. Nerdy collections. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, yeah, I guess. Looks. Yeah, these are all things that we attribute to greatness, but in the end. Jesus tells us that the things of the world, they're fading away. They're passing away. None of that stuff actually matters. So what is greatness in God's eyes? What's that? Oh, okay. Yeah, so what are some things that are, that are great in God's eyes? Dan? Faith. Faith. Wow, that's good. We're kind of talking about faith. Jonas? Yeah, obedience. That's great. How about this? God is going to make us great if we put our faith in God and we trust him and we follow the things that he puts out for us and and we listen to and we glean from the precepts from scripture. I would assume that we'll probably be good citizens. We'll be good sons and daughters. Uh, when we have kids, we'll be good parents. Uh, will be faithful husbands and wives. Uh, these are the things that, that, that God has for greatness. We will be a blessing. Uh, and people, uh, as much as they throw rocks at us, 
uh, probably not literally. Um, but when people curse us, God's got a plan for them. And it might not be the best thing if they have nefarious intentions for us. So let's live with God uh, and, and, and trust the blessings he has for us. All right, we're coming to the meat here, and I have seven minutes. Oh, my goodness. Um, this whole trying to do a chapter a week thing is really, uh, really kind of fun. All right, uh, you guys okay with me if I jump a little bit? Can I jump a little bit? Uh, and then maybe we can talk about some more of these things in just a little bit. It says, what purpose then does the law serve? It was added because of our transgression. So what is the purpose of the law? You see, Adam sinned in the garden. God had a perfect plan for humanity. And we messed it up royally. And because of that, God gave the law as a way to kind of keep man in check until the fullness of time. And we don't have time tonight to talk about what it means, the fullness of time. But why didn't God send Jesus earlier? Because it wasn't at the perfect time that he had appointed before the foundations of the earth. But the law was here till the seed. Who is the seed? The seed is Jesus Christ. A few verses earlier, Paul is telling the Galatian church, notice how God doesn't say Abraham and his seeds, but Abraham and his seed. God promised Abraham that there would be a seed, a Messiah who would come from his lineage. God was faithful. God was faithful too. Uh, uh, I, I skipped over it, but there's some really cool things. Anyone want a fun, just like a little fact to write down uh, to be encouraged by? Anyone want a fun fact? Okay, check this out. Uh, I'm going to go back a few verses, uh, and it says this in verse um, verse 17. It says, "And this I say that the law, which was 430 years later, um, why does Paul just throw in the 430? Why does he just?" Yeah, I mean, so, okay, the law the law had come, uh, it, it, it had been around a while. What he's saying here, the 430 is, from the time of Abraham, the promise given to Abraham, it was 430 years to the law was given. So, the, 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 so why does Paul just randomly drop this in here? Well, it's because God keeps his promises. God told Abraham that he would be, and that his seed uh, and his lineage would be in bondage, for 430 years. You see, Abraham is given the promise by God and this prophecy by God in the year 1907 B.C. Okay? Roughly. Um, when does the Exodus take place? And when is the law given? In 1477 B.C. 430 years to the day. God is perfect in season now. When God says he's going to do something, he's going to do it. So I thought that was pretty cool. So just be encouraged by that. And if you want more, from, uh, more information on that, we can talk a little bit about that later on. Uh, here's the cool thing, though. Is the law against the promise of God? Certainly not. For if there had been a law given which could have given life, truly righteousness would have been by the law. Here's the thing. If we could fulfill the law, the law would be enough for salvation. If we could fulfill the law perfectly, the law would be enough for salvation. But it wasn't. And it was never God's plan for it to be. The law served a specific purpose for the nation of Israel. To point them back to Christ. To help them live 
with a purpose. But he goes on to say this, and this is one of my favorite verses, and I think you should underline it. It says this, Therefore, this is verse 24, underline verse 24 in your Bible, Therefore the law was the tutor which brings us to Christ, that we might be justified through faith. The law existed as a tutor to teach mankind a way in which to live, but not just teach mankind a way in which to live, but to show prophetically how Messiah would have to suffer. And in his suffering, our atonement would be met. Jonas. Absolutely. Absolutely. If the law could do it, what was the purpose? What was the purpose of Jesus dying for us on the cross if we could be saved by the law? And the reason he's getting at this is because there are people in the church in Galatia who are saying, you need the law. Jesus died for you. That's awesome. You put your faith in Jesus. That's awesome. But you need to follow the law or else you're not a good person or else you can't truly be saved. And Paul's saying, stop it. Absolutely cut it out. I think Paul would say the same thing to many Christians today. I think Paul would say the many things to a lot of American Christians today. I think Paul would say a lot of things to Oregonian Christians. See where I'm going with this? I think Paul would say a lot of things to Portland metropolitan area Christians. I think God would, or, or, or Paul would say this to many Christians in our neighborhoods and in this region today. I think Paul might say it to Christians in this church. Would Paul say it to any of us in this room? Here's the reality. So often in the snare and the trap for us, the easy thing for us to do is to add things to what Jesus has already done for us. People at school might say, oh, well, the reason I'm not a Christian is because Christianity is just a bunch of rules of do's and don'ts. It's not. Christianity is Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Jesus paid it. Oh, it's 730. Oh, no. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. We didn't. And we're not even helping him. We didn't even go get the change for the washing machine. There's nothing that we can do. But believe in him. And when we believe in him, our faith. What, what does he say to the church in uh, Ephesus? He says, by grace you have been saved through faith. Not of your works. It's not the law. It's not our good works. Now, does that mean that we stop doing good things? Does that mean we stop following God's commands? No, obviously not. But because God loved us, we love him and we follow what he has set out for us. But we don't add to what Christ has done for us. So uh, that game took a little bit longer um, than, than I had thought it was going to. Um, Partially because uh, some of my team. No. <laughs> I just messing. Um, he goes on to say this, and I want to just close with these last uh, four verses, and then uh, and then I'll pray and I'll send us on our way. But he says this: For you are all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, for as many 
of you as were baptized into Christ, you have put on Christ. There is neither Greek nor Jew. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. If you put your faith in Jesus, one, I think this is cool, there's equality. And uh, in each and every single one of us, we're a part of this body. Uh, and God has a specific purpose for each of us. And I think that's really cool. Uh, but also, uh, we are heirs according to the promise. What does it mean to be an heir? Well, Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father. And Jesus said this in John. He said, In my Father's house there are many mansions. If it were not so, I wouldn't have told you. He says, I go to prepare a place for you. That I will return and receive you unto myself. Um, that is a promise for us. God has a spot for us in heaven. Uh, and if we just put our faith in Jesus... Uh, we can be assured of that promise. Um, and Paul would encourage us. Paul would encourage us. Don't be bewitched. Don't be led astray uh, by this works-based world in which we live. You can't climb the ladder. You can't climb the ladder. Jesus paid it all. Um, and so with that being said, we now live on purpose with what Jesus told us to do. And Jesus said, go tell people about me. He said, my will is to seek and to save the lost. Uh, and he's not here anymore, but he's left his Holy Spirit to empower us to do that very thing. So be encouraged, be inspired. Don't add to Jesus, uh, but follow Jesus. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you so much. Uh, God, I pray that tonight, uh, as we spent just these few, uh, 30 plus two or three minutes uh, studying your word. Uh, God, I pray that we'd be encouraged. Um, God, that we would... Um, God, that we would repent of the times that we try to add to what you've done for us. Uh, God, may we not be like these foolish Galatians who were so easily swayed from the truth. But God, may we rest solely on what you've done for us. Um, God, may we not uh, make your death on the cross uh, in vain. But God, may, may we uh, live in such a way uh, that is honoring to you. Uh, God, thank you for the tutor that's brought us to Christ. And now that since we have Christ, may we not do in the flesh what the Spirit has already started, but may we be in tune with your Spirit. Uh, may we listen as you guide. Uh, and God, may we walk in the fullness uh, of truth uh, in a life abundant. So God, we thank you. We praise you in your son's name. We pray. Amen. 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 Yes. Hey, before you go, before you go, come back, come back. Um, we have a new Bible study that's starting this Friday. Uh, it's going to be led by uh, Allison and Stephanie. It's going to be at Stephanie's uh, Casa. Uh, and so if you want more information on that, if you're a lady, sorry guys, you cannot go. But if you're a lady, go speak with Allison uh, and Stephanie. Get information. It's going to be a great time. Uh, so make sure you get all the information from them. Um, and guys, we'll maybe start doing something soon also. Because I know Dan would love that, wouldn't you, Dan? Yeah, I would so love that. Awesome, awesome. All right, guys.